I want to say welcome to our folks that are online with us this morning. We have some of our folks here in person, some of our folks still online. After, I, after our RSVP was sent out this week, I sent out the update, the Prep for Sunday email with the, the case count. I think people, some folks that even let me know they made some decisions since then that said, oh, just not quite yet. So uh, we have families in all sorts of different circumstances, and uh, we are glad that we're able to worship incarnate and online this morning. So those that are online, we want to just uh, let you know that you're missed, and we're glad that you're joining us uh, through technology and those who are in person. We're glad that you're here. Um, this is our official opening this Sunday. Uh, we ask for lots of margin over the coming weeks for how to navigate these next few weeks, trying to figure out how we deal with our flow and um, our uh, movement back into corporate worship. Um, if we outrun this space where we can allow for some sensible spacing, then we'll probably be going to two services, hopefully for a very short period of time. That's not something that... Uh, I think would be a long-term venture, but would possibly uh, be a, a, a provide some relief to where we can continue to meet where we wouldn't all be stuffed in at the same time. Um, but just to, if I can just encourage you this morning, I want to encourage you to pray for wisdom for everybody that's trying to make decisions through this season. Uh, what would really be easy right now if some people had stupid decisions? Because then you could just say, oh, those are stupid. But they're all great decisions. That's what's really hard is everybody's got great decisions. But trying to figure out what we're going to be doing from one week to the next is not easy. So pray for, um, pray for us as we navigate this season. Uh, we have a lot to celebrate being in the same room at the same time this morning. And we have a lot to adjust to in the coming weeks. So let me just uh, share with you, if I can, some announcements. And then I'm going to give you a kind of a plan for the morning. Uh, but first of all, announcements. We're praying for our government this month in June. Uh, each month we dedicate... Uh, sort of an attentiveness in prayer toward various things. And this month we're praying for our government officials. So um, that's a fitting. It's timely. Uh, our local government, uh, national government, state government, making all kind of novel decisions as well, just like we are, just like businesses are making hard decisions. Uh, everyone's trying to navigate uncharted territory. So we can pray for our local officials uh, and state and government officials as they navigate, help us guide, help guide us through this season. For the city signups, I want to encourage you to sign up to pray for uh, our community. Uh, this week in uh, prayer walking teams, we're going to be praying over our community on the south side of town, mainly around the 1570 uh, kind of corridor. So um, if you haven't signed up and connected to, to one of those prayer times, I want to encourage you to do that through life groups. I think life groups are, are, most of our life groups are connecting to that, but you can also sign up online at the For the City sign up. Uh, there's some email, there's, there have been some email that have been sent out this previous week that will connect you to that if you want to look back at your inbox. The youth and young adults will meet at the youth building this Wednesday, uh, June 17th at 6 p.m. to pass out door hangers at Major's Place as part of For the City. Uh, we have an opportunity right across the street in the Majors apartment complex to connect to folks that may, either may not know the Lord or may know the Lord but haven't connected to a church family. So both of those are great reasons for us to mobilize and recognize that we have an opportunity right across the street. So uh, our young adults and youth will be um, passing out door hangers at Majors Place this coming Wednesday from 6 to 7.30. Uh, this coming week, or in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing RSVPs for Sunday. Uh, we did an RSVP for this Sunday. If you didn't get that and you're here and you just showed up, we allowed for some cushions, so don't fret. And we're going to allow for cushion each week for visitors as well. But in the coming weeks, just do the best you can to pay attention to that RSVP. It serves really a good purpose for us. We're able to anticipate who's going to be here. We're able to accommodate seating arrangements uh, for families with little ones, uh, for um, couples and everybody in between. So uh, trying to figure out that in advance is really helpful if you can help us with that RSVP. One of the things that we noticed this week on the RSVP is some families had one family member RSVP for, every, RSVP for everybody and another family do the same. So that's not a, it's not like you, you really messed anything up there, but just notice in the coming weeks, if you're doing that, maybe one person can talk to another and say, hey, I got us covered. So I'll RSVP. So we have a a good account for who's going to be here. Uh, the plan for the morning. Okay, we're going to start by recognizing our graduating seniors, and I'm going to introduce them here in a moment. 
Then we're going to have our sermon and our supper. We have a supper, a Lord's Supper, every single week after our sermon. Uh, we're going to have a deacon appointment after that. We have four men that are being appointed to the work of to the office of deacon this morning. We'll have worship and song at the end of the morning, and then we'll have our benediction and leave. So that's sort of the bird's eye view for the morning uh, for parents with littles. First of all, let me encourage you. There's a tremendous amount of margin. Okay, we don't have childcare this morning, so, um, and we, we probably won't in the coming weeks until we sort of get our footing underneath us and figure out when the best time to offer that will be. In the meantime, know that there's a tremendous amount of margin. There are certain sort of seating arrangements out here that are available for you if you need some terrain around you to sort of help contain, provide some geography to help uh, see some moms and looking and smiling. So hopefully you can utilize that. Also know that there are some little craft bags on the way in. If you want to grab, if you're an adult and you need to, you know, occupy the next few minutes, you can grab one too. So you can grab the little craft bag and, um, you know, maybe that'll help you sort of keep your little ones occupied in the next few minutes. They hear more than you think, more than you realize, but sometimes their hands are busy with something else while they're listening. Now, if, if it becomes, uh, you know, unruly and disruptive and you're like, man, this is where she's breaking up. We got we to figure out how to, how to uh, eject that uh, space right out that back door is a space that's already been prepared for you. We have a speaker set up out there that's going to project the sermon, the supper, the appointment, so you won't miss anything audibly. There's some, some benches, uh, picnic benches, and some shade, and some more goodie bags and craft bags out there. So if you need to um, evacuate, you can do that and know that, that um, you have something provided for you out there. We want to help in whatever way we can navigating this season as families, especially those with little bitties. So... We are glad that you're here. Let me pray, and then we're going to uh, recognize our graduating seniors. Lord, we are so thankful to be here. It's a strange, strange season, strange circumstances, new, uncharted territory, but we are thankful that you are not asleep. You're not um, caught off guard. You haven't left us on our own to navigate uncharted territory without guidance. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us each other to work together and try and chart our way forward. Lord, you have been and are and continue to be and will continue to be good to us. And we enjoy that first and foremost this morning. Lord, we pray in these next few minutes that first of all, you will be enjoyed above all things, that you will be enjoyed as the people of God gather, that we will enjoy that we have a great, great God. Lord, secondly, I pray that we will have a time that's equipping. I pray in these few minutes that we spend together that you will galvanize us and mobilize us to be about what we are to be about, to be fueled by, compelled by what should move us. Lord, we uh, just turn these few minutes over to you as an offering, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We have six graduating seniors this year, four of them high school graduates, two of them college graduates. Let me see if I can sort of acquaint you with their stories. First of all, Luke Adell is graduating from high school. He's going to be going to the University of Texas at Arlington. Where's Luke? I saw him in a moment ago. There he is. All right. What are you majoring in, Luke? Kinesiology. All right, come on up here. It was PE when I was in college. That's what they called it. But they gave it a cool name, and I felt better about it too. So I was a kinesiology major. So it's good. Good. Ethan Daniel, come on up. Ethan is going to be going in the United States Air Force. All right. Cool. Uh, Heaven Fulp is not here this morning. She's out of town. She will be going to the University of North Texas, majoring in marine biology. Uh, Sydney Sadler uh, is also uh, graduating, is not here with us this morning. She's going to be going to Collin County Community College. And we have two college graduates. Evan, come on up. Evan is uh, graduated from John Brown University. She's going to be uh, continuing some graduate studies at St. Andrews starting in the fall, Lord willing, if we can go out of the country. Um, Corbin, Ply, Morgan, now more, soon to be Morgan, are in the process of being Morgan. 
Uh, Corbin uh, is working at L3, and uh, she's newly married to Joseph Morgan, which explains the name thing that I just sort of fumbled my way through. So we have some cool stuff for y'all. Let me start with the, the college graduates first, because y'all are simpler. This is uh, for Corbin, and this is for Evan. These are leather-bound journals, okay? Freshly killed. In fact, we, we, uh, we tanned them yesterday, and they were woven, cutting out, and all the papyrus paper was all put together just for y'all. All right, y'all can be seated, all right? Because the high school guys are going to take a little bit longer. And the high school folks um, typically get more stuff, which is why their bag is a lot less full. All right, I'm going to unpack somebody's bag here. Let me see whose this is. This is Luke's. Okay, Luke, you get an ESV study Bible. Both of y'all get this. Manly study Bible. Or womanly, for if, if it's yours. If it's a woman. But hefty. All right, full of good stuff. All right, that's for you. Uh, let's see what else. Tracy put these together. Uh, Top Ramen, you'll need this. Okay, this is a traditional gift for our high school students. The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness from Timothy Keller. That's a good thing, good gift too, just kind of forgetting yourself. Oh, toast them pop-ups, pop-tarts. Okay, y'all may bust into these during the worship service. I, it wouldn't surprise me if you did. Okay, we have a coffee mug I'll show you here in just a minute. Uh, there's some snacks, some gum, some pens, a piece of paper or a, a notebook with some, some pages that you can take some notes. There's a, an encouragement to continue in the faith after high school. One of the burdens that we have as a, a church family is that our high school students continue with the Lord afterward. There's a highlighter in there, and there's a cool mug that Tracy picked out just for y'all. It says, check me out. It has a little cat on it. It's pretty great. All right, so. Okay, so that's your kit. That's your graduating kit. And... Um, we also have a video that we'll show here in a moment once I get all this boxed back up again. I'm sorry I unpacked yours, Luke. Okay. Let me put these back in there. All right. Okay. All right, y'all have a seat. We're going to watch this video, and then we're going to pray for our graduating seniors, and then we're going to move into our sermon this morning.
hope that's the end. I'm not going to stand up here where this thing goes into phase two. And, and also, that was uh, Caitlin Sadler, not Sydney Sadler. So, so I think the Sadlers are actually pulled up online. So please forgive me, Caitlin. That was a, a, miss, a misstep. I, I ask your forgiveness, Ms. Caitlin Sadler. Let's pray for our graduates this morning. They've had an unusual year. You know, high school graduation is a big deal. And it's, it's an exciting time for folks. And it's been a really strange um, school year for everybody and let's pray for our, our graduates that uh, they can recognize maybe what God has done in an unusual year even and that they can recognize that God doesn't waste circumstances like this. So let's pray for our graduates. Lord, we have been blessed with young people, really remarkable young people that have wonderful journeys in front of them. Lord, we have, uh, you've given us stewardship over a season in their lives that um, has been remarkable and we are thankful Lord, we pray for each of these graduates. We pray that they would be blessed. Lord, that you would... Um, I really don't ask that the wind is to their back in all things. I really don't ask that everything goes easy and well for them. I don't ask that they everything they put their hand to, that it just comes out awesome. Lord, we ask that most of all that they will search for and seek your face in all things. And that in their failures, in their triumphs, in their struggles in their celebrations, in all things, Lord, that you would be central. Lord, we ask you to keep them in your name, whatever venture, uh, whatever ventures that they are putting their hand to, keep them in your name. Keep them close until their last breath. We are entrusting them to you and thankful for their families, thankful for their faith, thankful for the journey that's in front of them and the good father that's watching over them as they go about it. And trusting them to you in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all, graduates. We are excited for y'all. And we look forward to see what God has in store for y'all in this next chapter. Know that you will continue to be prayed for. Um, your faces may lead you or your journeys may lead you to other places. But man, your faces are right here. There's a passage that has encouraged me over the years of... Uh, I can't even recall where it is. But your name... Uh, is inscribed on the palms of my hands, your walls are ever before me, is a passage that the Lord encouraged Israel with. Your name is inscribed on the palm of my hands, and your walls are ever before me. That's the kind of father that we have, and you can know that that's the kind of church that you have as you go into this next step. So, We're going to move into our, our sermon here uh, in the next few minutes, but I'd like to continue in prayer. Uh, hopefully you're noticing that our corporate worship times are bathed in prayer. We have prayer intermittent throughout. Uh, we want this very much to be a vertical adventure as we spend time with our Lord and spend time with each other. Uh, we're going to pray for a people group, the Khmer people of Cambodia, a people a group of 15 million strong, 3% of which are Christians. Uh, each week we're praying for the 100 least reach people groups in the world. And the reason we're praying for the 100 least reach people groups in the world, there's a passage in Matthew 24 that Jesus says, when all the peoples have been preached to, I'm going to come back. It's called commission completion is the concept. So the thought is, let's go to those people groups so we can usher back the return of our Lord. So that's why we pray for these people groups. We're not only praying for their hearts, that they would be softened toward the gospel and receptive to the gospel. We're praying that people would go. We're praying that people would be so uncomfortable with being here that they couldn't help but go and share the message of the, the gospel within this case as we pray this week for the Khmer people. We're also going to be praying for Commerce Community Church. Uh, it's one of our um, daughter churches that we planted years ago, David and Whitney Ferguson. Uh, David is one of their pastors, Kevin Tibble, Ron Perone, and Tim Thomas. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are burdened for a people group that's so massive and something that's so far beyond what a little church in Greenville can uh, tend to. But we know that we're coming before God that's so able and we cry out for this people group. Lord, we cry out for folks to know you, for churches to be planted, for disciples to be made. Lord, we cry out for people to go with the good news of the gospel. We cry out for people to just be too uncomfortable staying, that they have to go and share with those who don't know you. Lord, we pray for this people group that are war-torn uh, Buddhists. Lord, 15 million strong, and we're thankful that we can bring them before you this morning, asking you to do something awesome and amazing. Lord, also this morning, we want to pray for another church in our community, a, 
a church that's near and dear to us, Commerce Community Church. I pray for David and Whitney. I'm so thankful for David's friendship. I'm so thankful for his love for you, his love for God's people. I'm thankful for the health, um, just the presence of Commerce Community Church over the years. Lord, we entrust this people to you and ask you to bless them. We pray for their leadership, for Kevin, uh, for Ron, and for Tim. Lord, we pray that you would bless them, that you would give them just an insight into your perfect will, that they would walk squarely in it, that they would be attentive and responsive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit as they serve the community and commerce and ultimately serve you. Lord, we are entrusting Commerce Community Church to you this morning. Lastly, Lord, I pray for this people this morning, that in this short message, that you would galvanize us to something that we should do as the people of God. And trusting this time to you, in Christ's precious name we pray, amen. Something I think is kind of a metaphor this last uh, season, I was pulling into the parking lot a couple weeks ago. Erin was here, she was in the office. Um, so there weren't many, there were just two cars, her car and my car. Pulled in, I parked. As I parked, I realized I, I've been seeing a snipe in the parking lot. A snipe is like a little bird. Like a, it's a real bird. All right? and you, people think you snipe hunting and they make the paper bag make a noise like you caught something. That's not really a snipe. But there actually is a bird called a snipe. Okay, some of you have never been snipe hunting. You don't, don't know what I'm talking about. But there are, are actually real birds named snipe. And there's a snipe in our parking lot. I pulled in the parking lot. I parked my car. And uh, I looked in my rearview mirror. And the snipe that I saw as I pulled in was standing in the parking lot with a bunch of little baby snipes, like little sniplets. And what I realized as I pulled in and parked is this little baby or this little family of snipes uh, were born and raised in a pothole in our parking lot in this last season. That's how little activity we've had here over the last couple of months, that a whole family's been raised in a pothole in our parking lot. So my thought this morning is, first of all, I'm thankful for little birds. I'm thankful the Lord cared for the little, little wee sniplets and the, the mama snipe. But I, while I love them and enjoy birds, I'm ready for them to move out. I'm ready for our potholes to be, you know, for cars to be driving in our parking lot and people to be filling up this space. And I'm excited about this morning and this venture of us being back together again. So we're going to climb right into our passage this morning. If you would stand for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven Show us what to ask for as we come to you in prayer. We pray this this morning in Christ's precious name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Some news headings this week, just this week. New research supports wearing masks to control the spread of coronavirus. Uh, we've had some idea about that. If you're, if you're interested, you know Todd Higgins. Ask Todd Higgins for an explanation of why to wear masks. And I'll probably hear from the Higgins after this. I know they're watching this this morning. It is a great explanation. So that was in the news. Not surprising. Police reform protesters seek ways to keep movement going. You've been watching the news. You know there's a lot of conversation about police reform. Here's the next heading. Atlanta police chief resigns after law enforcement fatally shoots a black man. Another heading. Texas, Florida, California hit highs for COVID-19 infections in the last two weeks. That's a couple days ago, Texas being among them. Professional hitman, here's the next one. Professional hitman arrested in four Philadelphia fatal shootings. Did any of you see this? This guy, he didn't look like a hitman. Or he didn't look like any of the assassins in the movies. He looked like a full-on goober. But apparently he is a hired hitman. Here's an interesting one. The band formerly known as Lady Antebellum is being accused of performative wokeness and being tone deaf for taking the name of a black center, uh, singer. Okay, I don't even know what that is. Performative wokeness. I didn't read the article. Maybe if I'd have read it, I might have figured it out. But there's all kinds of terminology that we're seeing in the news this week and in the recent news. Performative wokeness. 
Here's a good one. Haley Bieber's glutes are legendary. Achieve them yourself with one simple exercise. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure I know who she is. But that's pretty good news. Right there in the headings in the news. And you just do one simple exercise and you can have those glutes as well. Here's an editorial piece titled, Two Weeks in George Floyd's America. Two weeks, uh, his, that name is hard to say, in George Floyd's America. It's been an interesting two weeks, hasn't it? Here's another one. Seattle man, 70, beats coronavirus and then gets a $1.1 million hospital bill. Man, is that a win? <laughs> Just those headings, I just want you to just consider this morning if anyone is really comfortable with those snapshots in our country this week. I mean, is anybody hearing those things and going, oh, yeah, that sounds fine, that's, that's good, All right. that's life in 2020. Is anybody comfortable with those headings this week? I remember introducing a message about three weeks ago pointing out how crazy 2020 was. At that point, like three years ago, or th uh, three weeks ago. And here's what's crazy about three weeks ago. George Floyd was living and breathing on that Sunday. This has been a bizarre year. Just the news this week. Here's a few more pieces from just yesterday. Seattle police chief and mayor at loggerheads over how to handle zones seized by uh, demonstrators. They've called the area CHAZ. Now, they've renamed it to CHOP. But CHAZ stands for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. They've changed it to CHOP, Capitol Hill Organized Protest. What a bizarre circumstance. Kim Jong-un's sister, this is the next one, threatens action against South Korea. If you saw the article, she looked hacked. I don't know what power she has, but being Kim Jong-un's sister, she must have some. And she looked mad. Here's one. Florida SWAT team resigns, accuses city of treating them worse than dogs. Today, this morning, Atlanta erupts. Did you see the news this morning? A Wendy's restaurant is torched. Why Wendy's? I have no idea. What in the world is going on with Wendy's? Interstate is blocked after the death of Rashard Brooks. Here's a stat. 20.5 million, million people lost their jobs in April alone. 20.5 million people. Can we all together agree that this place is a mess? This place we call home, now one of those was a headline from uh, of overseas from South Korea. But this place, this world is a mess right now. I'm reading a book that uh, a friend gave. Actually, it was uh, Brandon uh, Foley loaned it to me. It's, uh, the title of the book is Empire of the Summer Moon. driven through Quanah, Texas. That's named after Quanah Parker. He was a Comanche Indian. The book is about the rise and fall of the Comanche Indians, mostly in Texas. Okay, the time frame is about 150 years to 200 years ago, uh, which in the span of human history is like yesterday. Okay, if you ever go overseas, you go to Europe, you travel abroad, you'll go in bathrooms that are older than these stories. I mean, really, you'll use facilities that are older than 150 years to 200 years. This is yesterday in our country. A lot of it takes place right here in North Texas, Central, and South Texas. Places that are named, that places you've hunted or visited or maybe lived right here just yesterday. What shocked me about the book is reading about the brutality of the times. The brutality of the times. There were plagues. There were epidemics. The story of what cholera did to whole tribes of Indians will blow your mind. 
Healthy Indian is walking around one day, three hours later from cholera, he's dead. And they can't see it. There's no biologist on hand, no scientist on hand to figure it out. And the times were brutal. These epidemics would wipe out whole tribes. There were massacres and ambushes. There were missions that were destroyed, padres killed, everybody in them taken. Right here, even in Dallas area and Fort Worth. Families were taken and ripped from their homes and unspeakable, unimaginable things done to them. This is yesterday where we live. Reading it prompted me to consider the fact that life since the garden has never really been very good. Life since Eve cried out, I've gotten the God-man. I've gotten the child that's going to return us to the garden. And later he kills Abel. Ever since the story of Cain and Abel, life in this place has not been really very good. I caught myself thinking about how great my little... Um, Life has been up to where I, where I can say these recent times are the craziest times I've ever seen. Well, I've lived a tiny little wee snapshot of the human story. You read a book like that and you realize, man, it's never really been very good. What's cool to think about, though, is you think about these stories and these time frames and these ages, the first century. You know what it was like to be a Christian in the first century A.D.? times during the Middle Ages, how brutal those times were. The times during the Reformation, what it would cost you to appeal for reform. Man, times have never been really very good. But what's cool to think about is the fact that God's people have been right in the mix through every epidemic, through every injustice, through every imbalance of power, through every single dark hour. There they've been like little threads holding fast. Little tiny wee threads. You think, ah, how's it going to make it? But they hold fast and they hold on. Holding fast but clearly uncomfortable. Maybe as uncomfortable as you were with me sharing the news from this recent week. Clearly uncomfortable with their times and uncomfortable in their times. Have you ever spent any time reading Fox's Book of Martyrs? We're not in the worst of times. Man, it's never been really that great. But in each of those times, in each of those dark hours, there have been the people of God calling out to a God who hears, a God who sees, and a God who acts. I want to show you just a couple of those this morning. Two places for you to turn. First is in Exodus chapter 2, and the second is in Daniel chapter 9. If you want to kind of have those ready. Exodus chapter 2. If you know the story of the Exodus, you know what landed them in Egypt. Uh, the people of God were found themselves um, uh, moved into Goshen. You know, Joseph, the story of Joseph, and how he was betrayed by his brothers, landed him in Egypt. He became the hero of the famines. Um, he made some great decisions for Egypt. So not only did Egypt survive, Egypt flourished. And his family, now freshly moved to Goshen, flourished as well. But over the course of 400 years, Pharaoh after Pharaoh after Pharaoh, eventually, I don't know how many Pharaohs later, they're saying, Joseph who? Joseph was not a hero anymore. He's not somebody that they looked back on fondly. It's during those times in chapter 2, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned. And that's what I feel like when I'm reading the news right now. I just want to groan. Anybody else? Are you reading the news? Are you seeing stuff burn? So these people groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. And their cry... Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Man, let's just start right there this morning with that realization 
The news in Egypt was terrible leading up to that. If we just captured the news for them in their context, Joseph has been forgotten. The hero of their people had been forgotten completely. There's a people oppressed. They're forced into slavery. They're forced to make bricks. And at this moment in time, forced to make bricks without even the help of straw, which apparently was a a helpful thing in making bricks. On top of that, they're supposed to murder their sons when they're born by placing them in the Nile to drown. Man, that's news. And it caused them to groan and cry out. And here they are crying out and groaning. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. Look at Daniel chapter 9. Fast forwarding about a thousand years approximately. About a thousand years. The exodus around 1500 B.C. The time of Daniel is approximately 500 B.C. That's not hard and fast, but about a thousand years fast forward. Lots has happened, but lots have happened between then. Uh, the Exodus led them into the promised land and then the, 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 uh, the um, conquest. You know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You know the song, he fit the battle of Jericho. The conquest, the time of the judges, then the time of the kings. And the time of the kings led them into this period of exile. And Daniel here is in exile at this point. He's in exile in Babylon. Daniel's got some news himself. You know, if the, if the Israelites in Egypt had some news, Daniel has some news as well. You can look at the headings in the previous chapters in, in the book of Daniel. Uh, first of all, they've been ripped from their homes. Daniel been ripped from his home in Canaan. I mean, just, let's just start right there. Let's just count for a moment, just try to imagine what that would be like to be taken from your home. Taken from his home as a young man and taken off to a foreign land and made a servant in the king's court and probably made, on top of that, a eunuch in the king's court. That's news. Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden image and Daniel's best friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are thrown into the fiery furnace. We're talking about news headings. That's newsworthy. Then on top of that, Daniel is then also thrown into the lion's den for praying. Daniel's got his own version of news. There's a few passages that lead us to this moment in time where Daniel was praying. Let's see what he prays. Beginning in verse 5, he says, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled. Turning aside from your commandments and rules, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, to all the people of Israel or the land. You, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. In some ways, what he's saying is, is we're supposed to be here in exile. We've brought this on ourselves. Look at verse 11. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside. Refusing to obey your voice and the curse and oath they are, that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we've sinned against him. Look at verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. That's all context for what he's about to say. Listen to what he's about to say, beginning in verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger, let your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all or among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. 
Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. The nation of Israel finds themselves in Egypt, made slaves. And what do they do? They cry out. In the middle of messy news, having Joseph having been forgotten, they forced into slavery. And here, what do they do? They cry out to God. And here, five or a thousand years later, in Babylon, after plenty of storyline, Daniel finds himself in Babylon doing the very same thing, crying out to this God who hears, a God who sees a God who knows, a God who remembers, a God who forgives, a God who pays attention, and a God who acts. Man, those are two windows that you could call bookends. You could call them bookends on the story of Israel, the exodus, and then later on the exile. A few snapshots in between during the conquest, after the conquest, during the time of the judges. Listen to what the people of God are doing in the time of the judges. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, they've got uh, people bearing down on them, the enemies bearing down on them. They cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, and his name was Othniel. They had their own version of news in that time, and here's just a, a few verses later in the same chapter. Foreign lands are bearing down on them. The Ammonites, in this case, and the Amalekites and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer. His name was Ehud. And just the page later, the people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and people are bearing down on them in this case, and they cried out to the Lord for help. For this people bearing down, bearing down them had 900 chariots of iron and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. And God's answer to that was raising up a woman named Deborah. God heard, God acted, God paid attention, and God delivered. In the face of terrible, unsettling news over the course of Israel's story for thousands of years... God's people did what God's people are supposed to do in crummy situations. They cried out to a God who hears, a God who acts, a God who sees, a God who knows, a God who pays attention, and a God who raises up a deliverer. This morning, this message, as I was preparing for it, I... I have a couple of messages that are along the lines of your kingdom come, what that actually means, if you heard the sermon from a couple weeks ago. But this morning is less about what it means and it's more about the disposition of the prayer. It's more about the heart of the one praying. And the thought here is that over the ages, the people of God have cried out to God, God, in their version of your kingdom come in this mess. In Egypt, while we're made slaves. In Babylon, while I'm made a servant in the king's court. While I'm thrown into the fiery furnace, are the lion's den. In the time of the judges, when we've brought it on ourselves in those cases, God, hear us and act and intervene and break into our mess. The question that I've had on my mind as I've watched the news in these previous couple of weeks is, what are we supposed to do? Has anybody else felt that? What, where, where do we put our hands? What do we say? Are we supposed to become politicians and go make some, some new legislation? Are we, are we supposed to go be part of a, a peaceful movement? What are we supposed to do, right? Does anybody else go, what do we do? Well, what do we do according to what the people of God have, God done, of God have done for thousands of years? We are to cry out to God. When Jesus is teaching us on the mount how to pray, and he says, your kingdom come, that's precisely what that is. As you're crying out, God, break into this mess. Break into this news. It's horrible and has been since Cain. Please break into Egypt, break into Babylon, break into Greenville in 2020. 
Your kingdom come is the very cry of the people. The people of God for thousands of years. That's what it is. Your kingdom come, please. The people of God are supposed to be crying out that way. Father, heal our discord. I don't know what to do, but I know who to ask. That's what our response has to be. I don't know what to do in this very particular moment, but I know who to cry out to. You've got to know, people of God in this room, that there's no legislation that's going to legislate away sin and hate. There's no law that's going to eliminate it. There's no police reform that's going to fix the problem of hatefulness and sin. That doesn't mean we don't try, but it means where our heart and our burden has to be is we're Godward. We're calling out to Father, Father, break in. Fix this mess. Heal our discord. Father, break in and cure our cancer. Anyone in this room lost someone to cancer? The helplessness that goes along with that? That's the moment to cry out, your kingdom come, break into this moment. Father, break in and cure San Filippo. Anybody know the Cummings well enough to know what that's like? Have you, is anybody, has Caroline shown you the, Caroline shown you the bite marks on her arms? Do you might feel the weight of that? You know, that's the moment to cry out with the comings. Your kingdom come. Break in. Please break in and make it no such thing. Make no, San Filippo something we don't even know what it is because it doesn't exist. Not only heal it, remove it. In this season of racial tension, crying out, your kingdom come, is crying out, Father, gather up every tribe and every tongue and every color and every creed and every culture into your people. Please. Make it to where there's no, even no such thing as a racial slur. Like it doesn't even exist. Make it to where things that people have even heard this week. We're not talking decades old stuff. I'm talking about stuff that people have heard this week. Racial slurs. Make them where they don't even exist. Where the only thing that we have, words that we have for one another are brother, sister, son, and daughter of the high king of heaven. Crying out your kingdom is crying out. Your kingdom come is crying out for that very thing. When we cry out in prayer, your kingdom come, we're saying, Father, we're watching moms and dads care for sick children. Father, we're watching daughters grieve for sick fathers. Father, we're watching looting in the streets. Father, we're watching Wendy's burn. We're watching fighting in Congress and Senate that looks like it'll never end. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do what Daniel did. We're supposed to do what the nation of Israel did. We're supposed to cry out, your kingdom come. The only verbs that can fix these problems belong to the Father, and he's the one we need to be asking. Father, break in and heal our discord. What adds insult to injury of all these things is we're not just experiencing these things in the news. We're experiencing some of these things firsthand. Some of you have gone through family discord. Some of you have gone through relational discord, church discord. What should compel us, what should populate our prayers is the burden and the cry, your kingdom come where there is no shadow, where there is no darkness, there is no confusion. Just clarity and truth. 
and the people of God should be crying out together, your kingdom come, please. What are we to do in times like these with news like this? We are to pray. We are to cry out, your kingdom come. The question that I've been asking and thinking on as we've been considering these, this teaching us to pray, to pray series, I've been thinking, what would happen if a people prayed like this? I'm not talking about if people just recited the Lord's Prayer, which is great if you know what you're actually saying. But how many people can recite the Lord's Prayer and never really even connect to what's actually being asked there? What would happen if a people were actually crying out, your kingdom come, and we had a burden that went along with that request? What if we had barely a burden and started praying that way? What would God do to our burden? What would God do to us in those prayers? Not only would we be one day closer to his kingdom breaking in and the second advent coming, but we would be transformed in the praying. We would probably live more like this is temporary. We'd probably be more burdened and urgent about stuff that's actually truly and important in the kingdom. We would probably be more resilient, right? If we were praying, your kingdom come, and we were being changed in that prayer, and this burden was being fostered in our lives and transforming us, we would probably be um, less prone to being fooled and disrupted by Satan, right? We wouldn't be disrupted by discord or disunity or conflict. We wouldn't be sidelined by slander. Like, it's not important. I'm going to focus on your kingdom coming and what I'm supposed to be doing in escorting that in. Those prayers would change a people. Those prayers would galvanize a people. Those prayers would sustain a people. Those prayers would quicken a people from eating and drinking and rising to play and just living from one feast to the next. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking about the end times, and he's speaking about the times of Noah where they're just marrying and giving in marriage while Noah's preaching, and the flood is coming. What would happen if a people began to pray this way? Absolutely praying for things daily, these daily issues that we face, these daily and immediate concerns, jobs, money, health, relationships, all those things are important. But coupling that with prayers for people as we pray together, Lord, land this plane. Please come back and bring the end of the story. Lord, don't let us be comfortable in Babylon. Don't let us be at ease in Egypt. We're making bricks and straw. Or bricks without straw. Don't let us be comfortable in Babylon. Stir us to pine for the end of the story and to be about what ushers that in. And to be about what makes ready for that to happen. What would happen if a people prayed this way? Well, first of all, it would change us. And second of all, it would be brought to a Lord that we know who hears, we know who sees, we know who acts. Man, my burden is for the heart and the disposition of the prayer this morning. My burden is that we as a people would not be too comfortable in Babylon. That we would let this news break our hearts. That we would let these circumstances unfolding right in front of us cause us to cry out. That we as a people would cry together your kingdom come. May we be a people who pray this way. Let's pray. Father, this morning we pray for the rest of this story uh, for it to unfold. Lord, I pray this morning that while we are completely delighted and content with the first advent of Christ, that we would be discontent that the second advent hasn't come yet. 
that we would be stirred in these terrible times where we're seeing these things up close and personal, racial tension, virus uh, spreading, unemployment, diseases that haven't been cured, people suffering, Lord, Teach us to pray how we should in those moments. Teach us to cry out with the nation of Israel and Egypt. Teach us to cry out with Daniel in Babylon. Lord, cause us to cry out and to be about the things that we should be about as a result. Lord, break in and rule in our hearts, first of all. Draw peoples from every tribe and tongue so Christ will come back. And please, most of all, send our deliverer back soon. We pray these things this morning in Christ's precious name. Amen. Our supper comes from Matthew chapter 26. It's Matthew's supper account. You can have your little supper kit ready. If you didn't grab one of those, you can grab one of those on the table over there. Um, They're a little, I'll kind of guide you through. Greg did a really good job of explaining that last week. I'll go ahead and say it right now because I know you're wrestling with it. If you can, pull that clear wrapper off first. Because if you, if you pull the other wrapper off first and the clear one second, you're going to have a handful with an open container of um, juice and then trying to wrangle that little wafer there. And let me tell you, too, um, actually, as Tracy Fields coached me, she said, don't chew that wafer up. Don't chew that joker because it, it, that's not good. You want to sit on your tongue and let it dissolve. So, I mean, you can chew it if you want. I mean, nobody's going to police that, but it's kind of nasty if you do that. All right, that's just the nuts and bolts of the, your little kit. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This first Lord's Supper, this anticipation of his return, this pining for your kingdom come is built right into that meal. What we're talking about here is the disposition of the prayer. Jesus on the very first Lord's Supper is building it into it. I'm not going to drink this final cup of consummation, if you remember the Passover, how it flowed, until we drink it together in the kingdom, the fulfillment of the kingdom. As we take this supper every, every week, we should pine for that final meal in his presence when he takes that final cup. For now, though, Let's take and eat in faith.